book of Acts chapter number 4. We'll also be reading from Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, page 1254, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let us pray. Our Father, I bow to thank you for your word. I thank you for another privilege to preach for these that have come. Lord, you know every need, you know every heart, and I pray those needs be met. Teach us thy truth, O God. Help me to represent you truthfully tonight. Bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen. Well, two weeks ago we preached on uh, the subject of speaking in tongues and what the Bible had to say about that. Uh, all, and then last week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you missed any of the sessions, we have those on tape. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one-time experience whereby the filling of the Holy Spirit can happen many times. And we're speaking about the filling of the Holy Spirit <coughs> tonight. Uh, the first question we'll ask, try to answer is, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? It is, first of all, not the baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the time of salvation. John 3, 5, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. And the Bible said in Romans 8, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. It is separate, and this is where you have uh, uh, differences of opinion come in. Some people confuse the baptism of the Holy Spirit that places you into the body of Christ that takes place at the time of salvation and the filling of the Holy Spirit, which again can happen on numerous occasions. But uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Second of all, it is not altogether emotion. Now a person may be emotional when they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but a person can be emotional that has nothing, nothing to do with the Spirit of God. You know, people get emotional at football games. And uh, I, want, I don't think any of us would believe tonight that is an evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit because they get excited about a ball game. So it is not altogether emotion. Some people have an emotional experience and they equate that with a filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, it is not that at all. And uh, then it is not sinless perfection. Nobody is perfect. 
And we won't be until we get our glorified body. But some believe that the filling of the Holy Spirit, in fact, they equate the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God with, with the sanctification experience that, that causes you to reach a state of sinner's perfection. I, I had a conversation with a preacher some years ago. He told me he had not sinned in 20-some years. Then he backed up a little bit and said, well, he hadn't sinned willfully. And uh, the fact, I didn't believe either one, really, to be honest. Uh, the fact is, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible said, the thought of foolishness is sin. Now, I'm not justifying sin. God hates sin. But it is not reaching a state of sinless perfection. That's not what the feeling of the Holy Spirit is. It is not speaking in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not evidenced by speaking in tongues. Neither is the filling of the Holy Spirit made evident by the speaking in tongues. And we examine that in the Bible and find that tongues were a language that was the supernatural gift of God to the early church. That is no longer present in the church because there's no need for it. Uh, but uh, there are those who are filled with the Spirit of God who have not spoken in tongues. I have never spoken in tongues. Uh, and I, 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 maybe I should back up. I know a few words in Spanish. But uh, it's certainly not connected with the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I believe I've been filled with the Spirit of God and desire that every time I try to represent the Lord. Uh, Jesus did not speak in tongues. John the Baptist did not speak in tongues. Uh, Moody, Finley, Billy Sunday, Spurgeon, none of these men that God used greatly spoke in tongues. So it is not evident by speaking in tongues. Now, the feeling of the Holy Spirit is when uh, the, the, we yield our life to the control of the Spirit of God. I should have tried to illustrate that tonight, but here I have a glass that is almost filled with water. And uh, let's say, in fact, I've used this illustration before. Let's say I take this glass and I fill it up with rocks. Then I, I pour the water around those rocks until it is completely filled with water. Now, how can I get more water in that glass? By removing a rock, right? I remove a rock, I can put more water in it. I remove two rocks, I can put more water. The more rocks I remove, the more water I can put in it. And I think that illustrates the feeling of the Spirit of God is allowing the Holy Spirit of God to fill us and empower us and use us for the glory of God. And uh, if we had time tonight, we would look at Romans chapter 8 and Galatians 5. I would strongly recommend that you take time to read those chapters. And you will learn a great deal about the work of the Spirit of God and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. That's Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter number 5. In fact, Romans chapter 7 talks about the conflict that we have with the Adam nature. The Apostle Paul, I think one of the greatest Christians that has ever lived, after he was wondrously saved on Damascus Road, had a struggle with the flesh. And we find in Romans chapter 8, he describes that in Romans 7, and in Romans chapter 8, he shows how victory is possible over the Adam nature. So the feeling of the Holy Spirit 
is not these things we mention, but it is the yielding of one's life to the control of the Spirit of God. I remember hearing a preacher one time, he said, when I go to church, to the office every day, uh, he said, there are several routes that I can take from where I live to where, I, where the church is. And he said, I always pray and say, Holy Spirit of God, which route should I take today? Now that seems like a, a, friv a frivolous thing maybe, but I think that is what it means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Lord, I want you to direct my life today. I want you to use me. I want you to, uh, to show me how you want me to live this day because every day is going to make a difference in eternity. Now, second, the second question, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? First of all, because of a lack of power in our life. And we've already commented on this about the conflict that we have with the flesh. Now, the fact is, when God saved us, He did not save our body, did He? We only have to look in the mirror to realize that this flesh has not yet been redeemed. Because the effects of sin and death are evident in, in our appearance. The fact is, we are gradually dying. That's evident, isn't it? We don't look like we did when we were teenagers. And, uh, and so the effects of sin and death is very present, very evident in these, in these fleshly bodies. God has saved our souls, but he has not saved the body. And therefore, we'll get a new body when the Lord comes in the rapture and the resurrection. But we have this struggle. We have the Adam nature, and we have the divine nature. We have the battle set up, the conflict. And in order to overcome the flesh, we have to have the, the Spirit of God in control. And it's up to us to yield to the flesh or yield to the Spirit of God. Uh, when there's a lack of power in our life to overcome the flesh, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And in Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5, 16, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you overcome the flesh? Walk in the spirit. Men, how do you overcome lust and lustful thoughts? How to let the spirit of God be in control. When he's in control, then you're able, to, you're able to deal with that, you're able to control that and conquer that. When the flesh is in control, we're just like any other, any other person. I remember hearing Tom Williams say one time, he was the one, you know, where his wife had uh, meningitis there and almost died. He preached in this church many years ago. And uh, he said, he made this statement, he said, flesh is flesh to make any difference whose bones it's hanging on. And he said, if in, in the right, under the right circumstances, it'll sin every time. And so if we yield to the flesh, the flesh will always sin. But if we are filled with the Spirit of God and in controlled by the Spirit of God, he says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Step by step. When, you, when, you, when you're walking, how do you do it? One step at a time. And walk in the Spirit. Every step, every step that we take is under the leadership and the control of the Spirit of God. And I'm afraid that we live most of our lives far from that, don't we? In fact, I would, I would uh, hasten to say tonight that 
there's probably, probably uh, people that go a whole day and never even think about the Lord. Much less walk in the Spirit. Much less, the Bible said, the steps of a good man ordered by the Lord. Much less walk step by step under the control of the Spirit of God. It's a matter of day, even a whole day, that we may not even consider the Lord. When there's a lack of power in our life. Second of all, when there's a lack of power in our churches. Bible said in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. If anything's ever accomplished that's worthwhile for God, it must be by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That power of conviction we talked about this morning. And when there's a lack of power, we need God's Spirit operating to do, to do the work that only He can do. And we need God's filling now, he doesn't fill this building, and we don't pray, and the Holy Spirit fill this building tonight. How, uh, he, he, where, is, where is the building? The Bible said our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, if a church is going to be filled with the Spirit of God, then in, we as individuals must be filled with the Spirit of God and controlled and under the control and leadership of the Spirit of God. And when, we are, when we're doing that as an individual, then the Holy Spirit can operate in the church. And do the work that God wants him to, that God wants him and us to do. Then, thirdly, when there's a lack of power to bear witness before the world. In uh, in verse thirty three of Acts four, our scripture tonight says, "And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all." And in Acts 5, 14, the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. You know why the early church was so successful? They were absolutely filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. Their possessions were controlled, were under the control of the Spirit of God. Verse 32 talks about them selling possessions and giving it to the work of God as God would lead and direct them. Everything they had, everything they were, everything they had, they were totally dominated and controlled by the Spirit of God and God did a, a, a marvelous and wonderful work in that early church that multitudes, multitudes were saved and added to the church. When there's a lack of power to bear witness before the world, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. So this is why we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now the third question is how? How can we be filled with the Spirit of God? You say, that's what we, yes, that's exactly what I need. So what we need is a church, what we need is individuals, and we need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. The question is, how can this happen? First of all, there has to be a thirst. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, you don't have to, a hungry person, I know we had a, uh, Carolyn fixed a good good dinner for us for myself and Billy today and and Billy boy he was digging in and uh, he said boy this is really good you know uh, a hungry man isn't very picky uh, are they <laughs> you know you sit down and eat and you pick through this well this isn't right don't like this and this this isn't fixed right and and uh, but you take a person that's been out working and laboring and they have a good appetite, I'll tell you, they just dig in, don't they? And uh, so there needs to be a hunger and thirst for God when we get hungry for the Lord, like we're hungry and thirsty for something to eat and something to drink, then God will fill us. In the book of John, chapter number 7, the book of John, 
and chapter 7 and verse uh, 37, page uh, 1125. John 7, 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture is set out of his belly, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now he's talking about the baptism of the Spirit of God here, but it applies to the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, if you're thirst, then I'll, uh, you can come and drink. So when we get thirsty for the Lord, and, and uh, God says that we need to thirst after him, and the, uh, the psalmist said, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. As that deer is running and panting and desiring for something to drink. God says when you desire uh, something from me, what did you say, Bill? Shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Don't let it get to the water, but <laughs> it comes to the water to drink, shoot it. <laughs> anyway, the... The illustration there is that we need to thirst for the Lord. We need that thirst for God and that desire for God. How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit by, by a thirst? Second of all, there needs to be a confession of sin. God cannot use a dirty vessel. God will not use a dirty vessel. We need to present ourselves wholly acceptable unto God. In the book of 2 Timothy 2.21, if a man therefore purge himself on these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified of meat from the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Confession of sin. That hinders. That, the Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Grieve not the Spirit of God. When we, quench, when we grieve the Spirit of God, we have unconfessed sin in our life. Now the Holy Spirit does not leave. If I sin against the Lord, the Holy Spirit does not leave. But He is grieved. You know, it's just like a husband and wife. When there's, when there's uh, bitterness or something enters in, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a grief, isn't it? There's, there's the fellowship is hurt. And the Holy Spirit of God is grieved when we, uh, when we have sin in our life. And then the Holy Spirit can be quenched uh, when we don't allow Him to do what He wants to do in our life. God tells us to do something sometimes. Some times God's moved on me to witness to somebody. And maybe I was busy and I had to rush here and rush there and didn't take the time. I quenched the Spirit of God and what the Spirit of God wanted to do. We need to not grieve Him or quench Him. There needs to be a confession of sin. Then there needs to be an asking. The Bible said, James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. What is prayer? Prayer is asking. You know, it was a great day in my life when I realized that God was not offended when I asked Him for things. Have you ever heard a preacher say, you shouldn't always be asking for something? Oh, but you should. Now, you won't hear many preachers say that, but that's what the Bible says. The Bible encourages us to ask, and God is not offended when we ask Him for something. Now, we ought to thank Him, and we ought to do these, we ought to praise Him. We certainly ought to do those things. And sometimes we fail in that. God does give us things and then we, we just forget about it and never say, thank you, Lord, for doing that for me, for answering that prayer. We ought to do that. But, but God wants us to ask Him. 
You have not because you ask not. Here how we have the illustration in the scripture here in Acts 4, 29. When the, uh, the apostles here are threatened and uh, uh, that, that they're not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they charge him there in, in this chapter. And in verse 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, granting them to thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So they're filled with the Spirit of God because they ask. They said, Lord, behold our threatenings. Now, they had threatened him. If you speak anymore in this name, then we're going to imprison you. We're going to beat you. We're going to do these things to you. They threatened them. And they said, now, Lord, you know about these threatenings, and we ask for boldness to speak in the name of Jesus. And God fills them and gives them boldness. Uh, you know, Brother Thomason may mention this morning in Sunday school of the danger that we're living in. And, uh, uh, you know, we, do, we, we don't know what we're facing to do in the future. And he says that the, the pastor may, may be put in jail. Well, what if, they, what if they say, you can't preach anymore? If you preach, we're going we're gonna to put you in jail. Then what, what choice do I have? Obey God or obey the law? I think we ought to obey the law. Uh, as long as it does not interfere with the law of God. But when you have to make the choice, am I to obey the Lord, am I to obey God, or am I to obey the, the, the official? Then you have to obey. The Bible says we ought to obey God rather than men. And so there to be filled with the Spirit of God, there needs to be a thirst, there needs to be confession of sin, and then there needs to be an asking. And then finally, what are the fruits of a Spirit-filled life? Well, what happened? Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. What is the greatest evidence of, of a spirit-filled life? It is an effective testimony for Christ. That is the greatest evidence of a, of a spirit-filled life. Uh, I remember years ago, Sandy went with me on visitation and, and we, we went to this house and I talked to this man who was not a Christian, who was not saved, and, uh, and he did not make a decision that night, but I know Sandy remarking when we left. He says, boy, he was really sweating, wasn't he? He was really under conviction. Well, that's, that's the work of God's Holy Spirit. See, that's the effectiveness of a spirit-filled life, being able to give forth a testimony where there is convicting power and where God works and, and deals with hearts and brings conviction. That's God does that, see. Uh, and, and I marvel at how the Lord does that. Uh, it is, uh, you know, because I'm just a human being like anyone else. It's not me. It's the Word of God. And, you know, it's, I, I always marvel at how, uh, you know, you can go to someone's home and you can talk about uh, whatever they may be interested in, whatever they want to talk about. But when you give the Word of God, there's a difference. You want to win someone to Christ, give them the Word of God. After all, the Bible says we're born again by the Word of God, 1 Peter 1, 23. 
person's going to be saved, they have to be saved by the Word of God. And you're not going to get anyone saved unless you get the Word of God to them. And so we need to give them the Word. It's an effective testimony. Now in Galatians 5, Galatians 5, and we're going to Ephesians here in just a moment. Galatians 5 and verse 22 and 23. And he says, that's page 1247, But the fruit of the Spirit, notice that's singular, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. They're, they're listed in uh, threes here. Love, joy, and peace. And we could, we could preach on each of these, but we'll not. Long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And then faith, meekness, and temperance, which means self-control. Against such there is no law. So this is the fruit of the Spirit. And then the book of Galatians, or I'm sorry, the book of Ephesians. I'm in Galatians now. The book of Ephesians, uh, chapter number 5, where we read uh, in the beginning, page 1254, Galatians 5, verse 18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now that's a command. Be not drunk with wine. He compares it to drunkenness. What does strong drink do to people? It controls them. I, I had an uncle that, uh, that he's dead now, but he used to drink a lot. And uh, uh, when he got drunk, he was a different person. Uh, it, that, that strong drink transformed him into somebody else. He acted different. And it's amazing to me how drunkard they think they can, they can whip the world. They can't hardly stand up. <laughs> but they have, they have a strange idea. You know, they, they, they think different and they talk different and they act different. And, they, and, and that's what God does when a person is filled with the Spirit of God. They are transformed into a new person, into a different person. And it commands us, be not drunk with wine, we're in success. Let me ask you the question. If it is wrong to get drunk, then is it wrong not to be filled with the Spirit of God? It's in the same verse, isn't it? Be not drunk with wine, God forbids that, but be filled with the Spirit. God commands that. And that would be a sin of omission not to do it. Now, notice the results, and we'll be through here. The fruits of His Spirit fill life, first of all, a joyful heart. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And when I think of that verse, uh, you know, I always think of Lester Roloff. I think Lester Roloff was a great Christian. And he struggled, they put him in jail because he wouldn't take a license for trying to do right and trying to help, uh, help kids that got on drugs and wrecked their life and ruined their life and tried to help them and minister to them and had great success in doing it. But they, they wanted, his, the con state wanted to control him and, and they threw him in jail for, for not being willing to let them do that. But anyway, uh, he was quite a preacher and he believed he, he, he had great faith and and uh, he, he liked to sing. And someone told him, said, said, Brother Roloff, why don't you just stick to preaching? Quit trying to sing. And uh, sometimes I think he'd get a little off key or whatever. And he said, I'm not singing to you. I'm singing to the Lord. He thinks my singing's fine. <laughs> he likes my singing just fine. 
Well, a joyful heart. And we ought to sing to the Lord, shouldn't we? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And if you sing to Him, there's a difference. When, 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 when it comes out, it's different. When you're singing for the Lord. I'm not too much for those that are professional singers and they're trying to entertain the crowd. Uh, but for those that sing to the Lord and they're, they're singing from the heart to the Lord and exalting Jesus, I like it. That's my kind of singing. In fact, the only kind of singing I care for is, is, uh, is religious singing, really. Spiritual song, singing. I don't care for country music. I don't care for uh, certainly rock music. I think if there's ever been anything satanic, it's rock music. I don't care for opera. You know, I grew up in the mountains. They didn't have opera there. I mean, all that squilling and stuff, I can't, can't follow it. Just don't, don't appeal to me. I don't care for the classical, the high, that, that type of, my singing is amazing grace and nothing but the blood. And, and that's my kind of singing. That's what I like. I like the gospel songs and, and the, the Christian songs. And the, I think he summarizes it here. Psalms and the Psalms was the Jewish hymn book and the hymns and the spiritual songs. Those three categories, uh, I think, are all good. And, but the important thing is making medley in your heart to the Lord. Second of all, it's a, there's a thankful heart. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everything give thanks, he tells us. But in here he says, giving thanks always for all things. That's not easy to do, folks. We've just come through Thanksgiving season. And I'll tell you, there's some things happened in my life in the last couple of years it's hard to be thankful for. But in everything, give thanks. Giving thanks always for all things. Always complaining, always griping, always finding fault. Mark it down. They're not under the control of the Spirit of God. That's for sure. A, a, person, a spirit-filled person is a person that is thankful and they have a positive attitude, they have a positive outlook toward life, and they're thankful. They have that. Don't you like to be around people that are thankful and they have an attitude of, of thankfulness and they lift you up and encourage you and they're positive? You know, sometimes I, I have visited people and, I, and when you leave, you, you know, you feel worse than when you went. Uh, but I have visited other people and, and you feel kind of bad. Sometimes I visited people in, in the hospital and people in the, I visit the nursing homes. And I was thinking, you know, I've had three funerals here and a lot of them are, a lot of them are passing on. And, uh, but sometimes I go and I see them in that condition and I go away and, and, and I'm blessed. <laughs> they're, they ble they're a blessing to me. They encourage me. And I think there they are with, you know, not the ideal circumstance, but they have that positive outlook and, and their encouragement and their life, they're under the control of the Spirit of God. I know my grandmother lived to be in her 90s and I love to be around her because she loved God and her attitude. She didn't have a whole lot to live for except the Lord, really. That was her whole life. Husband had been gone for a number of years and she was getting old and, and had some... Uh, health problems, and but uh, she had a positive outlook on life, and 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 had had uh, something to be an encouragement, a blessing to you, a thankful heart. 
And then finally, there's a submissive heart in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Then he talks about the wife being submission to her husband and the husband in submission to the Lord. But submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, when a person's under the control of the Spirit of God, they're, they're submitted uh, to one another and in submission. You don't have that, that attitude of rebellion. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to have my way regardless. I'm going to have my way. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what happens. I'm going to have my way. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Submitting yourselves one to another in fear of God. You know, 1 Corinthians 7, let me just say this in passing. As far as it talks about in this rest of these verses, talk about the relationship of husband and wife with one another. But he talks about uh, the, the married man ought to care for the things of his wife, how he may please his wife. And the married woman ought to care for the things of her husband, how she ought to please her husband. Don't you think that would solve most of the problems? I mean, if you were interested in one another instead of interested in yourself and say, I want my way, I'm going to have my way no matter what, that's what causes the conflict, isn't it? And how do, how do we reach that state? We're, we're, we're naturally selfish by nature. We have that out of nature. And it's illustrated in little kids. You take a couple of toddlers, 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 <laughs> and, and you put them down in a, in, in a room full of toys. And here they have, let's say, a hundred toys. But you know which one, which one they want? They both want the same thing, right? The same one. Someone said you'd be better off just to give them the boxes, let them play with the boxes. But uh, it shows that, that, that rebellious nature that, that we inherit, that's born in us. And so it is, it is natural to be selfish and self-centered, and I want my way regardless. And the only, way, the only way it's possible to live for others is to be under the control of the Spirit of God. When we're filled with the Spirit of God, then we can do it. And I'll tell you, you want to you have a good home? Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Ask God to control you by the Spirit of God. He'll give you, he'll give you a wonderful home life, a wonderful relationship. And that's true in every aspect of our life. If you, want a, if you want a good life, if you want a good church, if you want uh, God to use you, then be submissive. Okay, let's pray.